is Beyond the Fight, uh, episode six, actually episode one of the pilot. And I'm very happy to say that I'll be hosting the show with uh, one of the Twitter's stoic BJJ practitioners and Paul Dominic, who was kind enough to uh, join me today. So, Paul, what's up? How's everything been with you? Well, first of all, Andrew, thank you for having me on your show and uh, honored to be part of the first I'm be part of the first pilot episode. I'm you know, it's a, it's a privilege, man. It's a privilege, but uh, I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day where I'm at, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. How about yourself? Oh, well, thank you. Well, once again, uh, thank you for asking, and I really appreciate the fact that you took time out of your day to come on since, you know, you're busy out there promoting why BJJ is a great martial art to take up, and it's great for everybody, whether man, woman, in child or adult or adolescent, and I'm doing good. I just finished a great... Uh, a great uh, lift session at the gym before recording with you. I made sure to get in 45 good minutes. And, you know, and today I was thinking I wasn't going to go. But as uh, whenever, whenever we talk about Goggins or Jocko, I always have them in my head. Just say, do it. Just fucking You have to go. It. Yeah. You have to go at that point. Once, listen, once you read about people like that, savages like Jocko and, and, uh, and Goggins, you have them in your head from now, from now on. And uh, whenever you think about procrastinating, you just think, like, listen, what would Goggins or Jocko tell me to do right now? What would they say about me procrastinating right now? What would they do in this situation? And it's a good perspective to have, and, and it's, a, it's a tool to use in, uh, in times of laziness and procrastination to really get some work done and then become a savage yourself. Yeah, it's like, well, it's like, it's because... I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning, and I, I don't know what your schedule is, but there's sometimes I wake up at 5 a.m. and I and I just take a deep breath I'm, where I go, it's time to do this again. And sometimes I just look at my shoes, as Goggins said he did, like when he was on Rogan. He said, sometimes I just stare at my shoes, to quote, to paraphrase what he said. But then I, I just, <laughs> I'm looking yeah. at it, and I say to myself, why am I staring at it when I could just, do it right now if I'm already changed and in the clothes. So I do it, and uh, that leads me to do my skipping rope in the morning at 5.15, and then stair runs five times up and down two to three flights, depending on how oh, I nice. feel. And then I just pump out, like, I pump out around 25 to 30 push-ups every morning. You know what I do? I, uh, when I catch myself procrastinating, when I, I, you know, I, I start saying, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym, or you know, I don't feel like working out right now. I picture myself at like 90 years old, basically, and I'll, 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 I'll basically start yelling at myself from that perspective. Like, listen, like, I'll act like I'm on my death. And I say, what are you doing? Like, you need to get up and move. Like, time's slipping. Like, you need to move. You need to take action. You need to do what you have to do right now. There is no, you know, putting off to tomorrow means you're just being lazy today. That's all it is. You're being lazy today if you're putting off to tomorrow. Exactly. And then when it's... tomorrow comes, the same thing's going to Exactly. The the more you the same pro- thing's gonna happen. The more you procrastinate, it, it's just it's just um it's just like basically emotional debt that you're adding to yourself that's not needed. So best to do it now. Do it. Yes. Do it while you wake. Do it when you wake up, and then your day just becomes easier. And I've noticed whenever I do that with uh, my daily practice of French lessons on my app Busu with uh, ten minutes of French TV, I just feel better after and it just leads me to not feeling as stressed or wanting or thinking what i have to procrastinate on or say no to or yes to in order to get the the hard stuff done well yeah i mean it's like think about like this it's like you're conquering your inner bitch in the morning it's like that little voice that's inside of you you have the two voices one saying okay this is what we need to do we need to get up start moving start running we have to do something and then there's the voice that says, no, stay comfortable, relax, stay in bed, it's warm, and things like that. And Marcus Aurelius would say, he talks about it in meditation, says, listen, were you born to you know, remain warm and cozy under covers? Is that what you were born as a human to do? Remain in bed and be cozy? He says, no, you have to get up and do things. This is your job. The bees get up in the morning, they, they do their thing. The ants, the birds, every, everyone has a mission. They're doing their thing, but you want to stay co- cozy under the blankets because it's nice and warm. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. Exactly. You know, you're, you're, betraying, you're betraying your own destiny when you want to remain comfortable in your little bubble of, you know, sprinkles and, you know, fuzzy warmness. Because the, we're, you're endless po- the endless amount of possibilities lie outside of that comfort zone. You know, it's not comfortable 
to sit down for a half hour and learn a new language. It's not comfortable to go for a four mile run or five mile run when it's raining. It's not comfortable to, you know, even attempt to run a mile when you're heavily, you know, you're extremely overweight. It's not comfortable. But on the other side of that comfort, uh, on the other side of that uncomfortable feeling is endless possibility. It's where, it's what you could become. It's what you definitely could become, but nothing comes easy. So you have to push through it. Exactly. Well, that's a very good quote from Aurelius. I do believe I saw, I, I heard it in the audio version of Meditation, but I'm, I have, I have a, the attention span of, uh, of, a, of the dog breed a boxer. I, I couldn't do the audio books anymore. That's why I need to have the hard copy so I focus with a pencil and I take down the word yes. for word. And it, look, I like podcasts, but audiobooks are a different animal, and they work for some people, but they don't, they don't work for me. I don't, so I guess, you know, while we're launching, yeah. it's supposed to be a show about martial arts and MMA, you know, tell me, tell uh, anyone who listens a bit about yourself, you know, what you do and, and, your, and what art you do and why you do it and what got you into it. So if you, you could start anywhere, don't feel, feel free to be unfiltered if, as you want. You know, this is not a politically correct show. This is, you know, I don't have the FCC or anyone uh, telling me, uh, to tell me how the people should talk. It's, it's up to you, man. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, most of people listening maybe have seen me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, maybe Periscope live videos. But you know what, man? I'm BJJ practitioner, college student, stoic, you know, thinker, writer. You know, I'm basically whatever I want to be. Uh, I think that's how everyone should think. Can't put me in a box. Uh, South Philly kid, you know, raised on the mean streets of Philadelphia. I come from a fighting family, father, fighter grandfather's a fighter my siblings were all fighters and when i say fighters not professional fighters but in spirit and we could throw hands if we have to but that's just because of the environment we grew up in you know you you leave the house and you know have breakfast with the family but you walk down the streets of south philly and it's like you don't know where you're going to run into and my father instilled us in a young age he would tell us like you know mind strong body strong he would talk about that keep your mind sharp like a raising your body strong like a machine so you know what we would do is i remember i remember uh we would, uh, after school, a lot of the times, you know, I would tell my dad, yeah, you know, I didn't have any homework tonight. I would just get my homework and whatnot because he would, he would make us go down the basement and uh, we would put the, our gloves on, our headgear sometimes, and we would throw hands with each other. And it wasn't like we were trying to hurt each other, but we were sparring at young kids. And uh, we also would go hit the bag. We'd go downstairs, hit the bag for an hour, you know, break a sweat. My father would teach us, like, you know, different combinations, how to throw the right hand because – you know, Dominic's, we got a good overhand right. Mm. We got a crazy overhand right, and we got a nice left hook. That just runs in our blood. Now, but, yeah, we're warriors, man. And, um, go ahead. Yeah, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry. I just want to ask now, you said Philly, the mean streets of Philly. What is it that everybody associates with Philadelphia as being a fighting culture, like with boxing, mixed martial arts? Now with, you know, the popularity of mixed martial arts exploding, what is it that everyone loves to romanticize about Philadelphia, Jackie, that maybe you could educate people on? Because we see Philly with Rocky. We've seen it with other, you know, the way uh, they, they, the UFC tries to market it with the Rocky theme and their promotion. So, yeah, I just want to know what makes Philadelphia appealing for the fight culture. Yeah. Yeah, because here's the beautiful part about Philadelphia. I mean... You look at Philadelphia, there's so many different ethnic backgrounds. You have the Irish, you have the Italians, you know, you have your African-American, you have your Asian, you have, you have everyone, Spanish, you have a little bit of everything. And uh, so you're, you're getting fighting roots from all different parts of the world. I mean, yeah, think about it. During 1920s and 30s, things like that, you had mass migration to ports like, you know, uh, New York City and Philadelphia, things like that. So you had the Italians come over, the Irish the Polish, the you had everyone coming over and all these different fighting cultures, you know, like the Italians and the Irish, you have warrior lines coming over and now you're putting them in the same city, different blocks away from each other. Now it led to a lot of good friendships and, you know, Italians and the Irish getting along and things like that together, but you also led to conflict. So in the brotherhood, it created a brotherhood, you know, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, but it also led to a lot of conflict. She had different groups fighting each other a lot of times. You know, the Irish and the Italian kids fighting each other. 
you know, it, you know, the Spanish and the Asian kids fighting each other. And it just led to this fighting culture in South Philly. Uh, not to the point where, like, everyone hates each other, but it just became this fighting city. And, uh, you know, a lot of people came from nothing in that city. You had that, like I said, the Irish and Italians who came over here didn't have a dime in their pocket. They had to fight for everything. They had to fight for their jobs. They had to fight, you know, to feed, put food on the table for their family. They had to fight to make a name for themselves. A lot of them had to actually go into fighting because they had no money. I mean, my, uh, my great-grandfather was a, a fighter during, like, the, the Great Depression. I mean, he had, he had to change his name to get fights. I mean, because he had, like, an Italian, Italian last name. Had to change his name. So we, they, I come from a line of fighters. The city is full of fighters. You know, and uh, that's just the culture of the city. And now you have uh, Rocky. Rocky lit, lit the city on fire with that. And people just connected with that. I mean, back in, like, you had, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, there was, like, you had different boxing gyms on every corner. There were different boxing gyms on every corner. You had the Irish boxing gyms. You had the African-American boxing gyms. You had the Italian boxing gyms. So it was just, like I said, rewind a second. You'll see that, like, I, I talked about, you know, you had the, Irish-Italian neighborhoods, things like that. Well, all these groups had their own boxing gyms, and they would put fighters out there. So it, that's just how it happened. But it also, uh, it just became a beautiful thing. It, it really is. And what's even interesting, too, if uh, you remember, if you watched uh, Joe Rogan's episode with the uh, boxing uh, commentator and uh, coach Teddy Atlas, uh, Teddy even said that, uh, surprisingly, like that the Jewish community, too, was significant in the boxing community with the blacks, Italians and Irish. So before like boxing was owned yeah. by what it is now, he said the, the Jews, the Jews even actually played a significant role with uh, some of their with some of their fighters that no one's even heard about. But he wants to bring it to to history to show like, hey, like, you know, whether you're from this background or that background, like there is fighting culture within the within the your the genes actually oh yeah fighting's in our blood even, even if it wasn't 100 years ago or 50 years ago at some point fighting fighting is a part of your bloodline there have been warriors in your bloodline and it's just you know to fight is to be human um that's just it's just a part of us it's instinctual to fight yeah and uh i think that's part of the reason why you see mass appeal to things like the ufc because think about it like this you have a baseball game going on the field. People are playing baseball. If a fight breaks out in that field or across the street, you know where everyone's attention goes? To the fight. Because it's instinctual to see the fight, to want to see what happens, to want to see the blood, to want to see two people throw down and, 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 and you know, fist the cuffs, you know? Like, we want to see that. We love the baseball game, but as soon as the fight breaks out, everyone wants to watch the fight. Everyone. It's in our blood. Really, it really is. So you were so as you were mentioning that you know you would go downstairs to fight with you know, like throw some mitts with your brother, your dad when you wanted to skip homework. Um, was that your first introduction to martial arts with boxing? Uh, so yes, my father started us. I, I started boxing first. Now I wasn't like uh, going to a boxing gym every weekend and learning boxing things like that. No. My father was teaching us what he knew. He was teaching us his, his hands. So we were getting his hands passed down the walls in the basement of my house and my, my childhood home. Little creaky basement, you know what I mean? Wooden, you know, wooden floor above us. And it was, just, it was just a cool environment. I didn't appreciate it when I was that age. But now I really do. Um, it was just a beautiful thing. But that's when I was first introduced to boxing. Yeah, I know what you um, mean. Jiu-jitsu came a little bit later. I know later. what you mean. For me, like, for me uh... As you said, for you as boxing, for me, I did the YMCA karate that, that all parents wanted to put their kids into. That because it was inexpensive if they were a member of the Y. Yeah. So I had a bad experience with the teacher. It wasn't the style I do now, but it was probably the American Kenpo that you see Elvis doing uh, in old uh, videos. And I lasted yeah, for like yeah. a, about a month because the teacher was just. Like I, I just I was I was a little uh, shithead back in the day where I just didn't really pay attention or had the discipline and then I got into boxing at yeah. around twelve years old to get into shape because I had I still had a lot of uh, baby fat that I was trying that I was growing out of and go and uh, my obviously with puberty you know how the changes happen so my parents put me in boxing for a bit which I liked and then yeah. I eventually tried kickboxing with a private coach but. I, I, same habits showed I wasn't really taking it seriously when you're in, when you're young, whether you're 
like seven, I think when you're from seven to like say 15, 16, there's a lot of immaturity that comes with it unless, you know, you decide that you're doing it because you like it. There's other, there's just too much distractions out there. Did you ever experience the same too? Yeah. You're like, you're thinking, fuck, I want to be doing, like, I want to be outside with my friends or playing video games right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I of course, like I said, that's why I said I didn't really appreciate what I had at the moment and uh, the beautiful part about it. I mean, I, I sometimes when I was on the baseline, I would get up and say, I want to go play my video games. I want to go, you know, play football with my friends. I want to go do, do this and that. Um, now, I still stayed down there and worked out because, you know, my father was like, he was strict with us. Like, you know, like we had it. We had it was time to work out. Like it was time to throw hands to the bag. It was time to do this. We can go. We can go play video games after. We can go do this later. Um, you know, that's just how it was. But yeah, and that's that was the beautiful part about about uh, the martial arts and and uh, learning these lessons of discipline. And you know, you have to control yourself. Sometimes you have to work, and you can't do things you want to do immediately. Sometimes you have to delay gratification. You have to put in some work and, and do and you know face these obstacles and challenges right now. And later you can do what you want. Um, but sometimes you have to do things, you know, like this, like that you don't want to do, but you're going to receive benefits from later on. And that's, that was one lesson I took Very away. Very true. Yeah. That's, that, that's all. That's one. I think that's uh, not, I think everyone says that where, whether you, whatever walk of life you come from, like my coach, for example, that I have now, so shout out to my coach, uh, Mohammed Chick in Kyokushin Karate. Um, like Mo told nice. me that, uh, he said there's a lot of people that he's seen because he lives in, I wouldn't say it's a rough part of Montreal, but it's a bit, it's, it's, it's a working class neighborhood, you know, it, and, you know, his, uh, and there's, there yeah. are, there are vices as there is everywhere, no matter where you're from. And he said that, you know, he said he's thankful that uh, his parents put him into karate because he's seen when he used to walk back from his dojo or like, I'm, I'm probably butchering the facts here. So I do apologize, Mo, if you're, when you listen to this, but he told me, he said, you know, he said, when I was going through one of my tough phases, he's like, I've seen a lot of people in my life come in and out with their bad habits because they weren't disciplined. They had no self-control. And he's like, I'm very happy that I, with the teachers I had and what my parents did, because I learned the importance of the good habits and the respect with the self-control and discipline. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. It can't be understated. And uh, I think you nailed it on the head. I agree. I agree 100%. So you, so you do BJJ. What led to that? Uh, that's an, that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting uh, change from starting with boxing with uh, your old man and your grandpa to going to uh, grappling. Yeah. So we we dabbled in jujitsu a little bit really before before like the boxing and it, around the same time, but it really wasn't like more of like a every day as much as like hitting the bag and things like that. But when UFC one first happened, after UFC one, Corey and Gracie released a set of VHS tapes. They were they're known as the Gracie tapes, the original VHS tapes where you just see you know Corey and Gracie and Hoist Gracie and they're on you know they're in their their white geese. And they're on the blue mats, and they're just doing basic, basic jujitsu. Because you gotta remember, no one knew what the hell jujitsu was. It's never, it, no one knew what it was before UFC one. It wasn't in the United States. It, maybe a few select people knew about. It. Yeah, people. The, the the story goes that people thought this was kind of like this was kind of a scam. Is it really what they say it is? But uh... extreme, and they might. Have, I believe they had one they had one small dojo in um, in Torrance, maybe California. And uh, so when UFC 1 happened, my dad was like, what the hell just happened? Like, Hoist Gracie just beat all these people. What the hell just happened? What was this martial art? Like, what was jiu-jitsu? You see the Gracie train coming out. You know, you see, uh, you know, all the Gracies, and, like, they're all following each other one, one by one, and they're matching gear and stuff. It was, like, super cool. And um, so after that, we, we ordered my, – my dad ordered the tapes, and he had blue mats. And we would, we would, just, we would just try these moves on each other on my floor in my, in my childhood home. And we'd be watching the Gracie tapes and like putting each other in arm bars and things like that and doing a basic hip toss. And that was where it started. That was where my, that was where I was introduced to it. Now I stopped doing it for a while. I wasn't going, I started going to like a Hicks and Gracie gym out in Delaware. And, uh, but I, I stopped, I wasn't really doing it uh, consistently as much as, you know, hitting the bag and things like that. I really started doing jujitsu consistently later on in my life. Um, that, you know, that that's 20s. a common that's uh not that's not um 
it's not an uncommon thing where that happens where a lot of kids or adolescents they they, they experiment they do it and then they stop because there's other commitments they have with school work or other hobbies too yeah for me what happened with me was okay so obviously when for those who look at my twitter and those who know me they must think i'm an expert in, in mma history as if i've been following the sport but i really only got onto the sport in 2015 yeah and shout out to the history degree from concordia u that so i bought the visual history book of ufc then saw UFC 189 with McGregor versus Mendez and Lawler versus McDonald. And I, I just yeah. fell in love with the sport after. The rest is history. So I soaked it up. Then I got fight pass, looked at all the old fights I missed out on. And it's a great it's a great way to waste time. Honestly, yeah. Like instead of Netflix, if you're a fight fan, do do get fight pass, but at your own caution because you'll be watching stuff you missed or stuff you didn't know about for days and hours. Yeah, and it was interesting, uh, you know, because even my father was looking for, like, that was the thing. Everyone was looking, like, especially my dad, looking for, a, what's the best martial art? What's the best dojo? Like, And you had the dojo wars. You had the karate guys want to fight, you know, other forms of karate guys and boxing, and they all want to fight each other and kickboxing and things like that, all fighting each other. Who's the best martial artist? And that was the beautiful part about this, this UFC 1 when Horian put it together, that it was able to, it was able to showcase this actual, you know, what-if situation. What if a boxer came against a karate guy? What if a, a grappler came against a kickboxer? What would happen? And as UFC 1 came together, and my dad told me, he remembers my uncle calling him, saying, Paul, listen, that's my father's name, Paul. I said, Paul, listen, you got you to gotta see this. This this uh this this event that's happening, like you guys see this pay per view event, it's gonna be crazy. Like you, just, we've never seen anything like this before, you know. And then there was talk about an alligator moat being around the octagon for the first one, and that, that got you know shoved under the table. But you know, when he first seen this, he said, "Oh my god, like this this is the real deal." You see, Horse Gracie putting people putting people out and just you know destroying people, and he's like, "This is the real deal. Like we have to learn jujitsu." And that's when he started putting me and my older brother in jujitsu at a young age. That's when we started with the blue mat and the Gracie tapes. And then eventually I was getting a taste of Hicks and Gracie's, uh, you know, curriculum in, in, in Delaware, uh, Hicks and Gracie, Delaware. So, uh, and that's when I first started. And then uh, I actually eventually became discouraged by jujitsu in a way, only because I got injured at a young age. Me and my brother were messing around. I got hurt, broke my foot and he, he, he snapped my foot. So he snapped my foot. He put me in a heel hook. I think he snapped me, uh, but he got me. And um, it, we were just kids. So we were just messing around. But, uh, I became discouraged to stop for a while, but I resumed later in my life because, listen, there was always something that drawn – I was always drawn towards it. I always wanted to do jiu-jitsu. Like, I loved it. I fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, you, you see these guys – well, I was always in the UFC watching these guys and people getting put in triangles and rear nakeds getting put to sleep in guillotines. And I was like, I got to do this. I got to compete. And, I, and one of my dreams was to compete, especially in front of, like, my dad and, you know, some of my family you know, to watch, for them to be on the sideline and watch me compete, like, was one of my ultimate dreams, and I actually did well in my first competition, but, um, you know, I actually, I eventually got into uh, taking jiu-jitsu seriously, and the lineage I come from for, for jiu-jitsu is actually um, it's Helson, Helson Gracie, and uh, shout out to Balance, Balance MMA in Philadelphia, that McLeary's brothers, you got Phil McLeary's and Rick, uh, Rick McLeary's, um, they're very well-known, high-level black belts in jiu-jitsu under the Gracie family themselves. They went out there and trained under the Gracies in Torrance. They stayed with the Gracies. They stayed with them in their house and learned from them. And uh, so they're very legit in Philadelphia Balance MMA. And, uh, yeah, hey, maybe I'll get – maybe uh, maybe, Phil or Smile will come on your show next. I'm looking to – like, I have message for – as you know, like, I I have spoken with a few pros. I'm not going to say – their names yet because I want to wait until they say yes they're committing to it and I want to wait until uh, I have because uh, right now for this podcasting app Paul I think I'm just going to use Anchor to get started and then when I feel like I have a feel for it I'll invest in some good mics and like a good like software but for now you know just experiment yeah. but that's aw- that'd be awesome man I welcome I welcome uh, any guys who've trained with the Gracies semi pro or have done national competitions so that would be uh, that would be really good now. One thing now, one thing we've spoken about, and what I hear a lot, now, a lot of men, guys say every man should do should, should do BJJ. It, it changes them for the better. It humbles them. Why is it that BJJ 
is such is so good for men of any age, whether they're an adolescent, a young adult, men as old as our fathers, or even grandfathers. What is the appeal that makes people gravitate towards it and then get addicted to it in a good way, of course? Well, number one, it's, a, it's an amazing workout. It's a fantastic full body workout. And part of that is we're so used to standing up and you see hand-to-hand combat standing up that, and you think about it, most fights usually do end up on the ground. We're not used to fighting on our backs. We're not used to fighting on the ground. You know, this is something my father would stress to us when we were a young age. You know, he, he would just lay on top of us and not suffocate us, but to the point where we got very, very uncomfortable. And I would start crying and flipping out and trying to get out, you know, I would give my back up and things like that. My side, my dad said, listen, just gave your back up. You need to get comfortable on your back. You need to get comfortable with someone on top of you. You need to be able to remain calm. So that's one very important aspect is that you, you learn to remain calm on your back and in comfortable positions. And number two is that you get a warm slice of humble pie because there's no lucky punch in jiu-jitsu. There is no lucky punch. Now, somebody can come off the street. You can probably get a street fighter. It might come in and you can fight a boxer or whatnot. And... You know, you now you're not likely to beat the boxer with lucky punch, but it could happen. It's very likely. If you come in and grapple with a black belt, and you're a white belt, there is almost a hundred percent chance that you're not going to win. And people need that because you need to you need to be humble yourself. Number one, I was very egotistical when I first started. Very egotistical. I had a big head and all the stuff. I thought I was a tough guy, big shot. And I walked in and I got strangled by this like chick that was a blue belt strangled, mangled, thrown around. I had no clue what happened to me. And I was, I was bodybuilding at the time, too. So I thought, like, yeah, I'm just going to use pure strength and just throw this chick. It didn't happen like that. It did not happen like that. And I was like, wow, I just got my ass kicked by this chick who probably weighs, you know, 60, 70 pounds less than me. And, and like, and she's so small. It just happened like that. So I got a warm slice of humble pie. I said, okay, I'm going to respect this martial art now. I'm going to respect these skills. I'm going to respect the game. This is the process. I have to trust the process. I have to go through this process. I'm going to be, I'm going to be getting my ass whooped for a while, it looks like. That's why I told myself I'm going to be getting my ass whooped for a while. But through that suffering and through that pain, yeah. I'm going to develop strength. That's the, that is the key here. This is very, if anyone takes, that away, takes a, a message away from this, is that seeing the value in suffering. I was suffering every day, getting my ass whooped on my back, getting choked out. I actually got put to sleep once by a brown belt. In, in, in sparring, I put to sleep with an anaconda choke. Got put out cold. Why? I had, a, I had a big head, and I didn't want to tap. I didn't want to tap. Got put right to sleep. I learned a valuable lesson from that. I learned a valuable lesson from that. Don't let your head take control. Put the ego aside when you step on the mat, because you're going you're gonna to get that shit checked. And somebody's going to put you to sleep. If you think you're, you know, you're too tough and you don't want to tap, somebody's going to snap your arm. You're going to get put to sleep. So you got to check that ego when you're getting on the mat, and you need to learn that in this process of suffering and getting beat up every day with the bruises and the scratches and, you know, the swelling, whatever it is, you're going to become stronger every single time you step, exactly. off, after you step off that mat. So there's, a, there's value in this suffering. And you need to see that because if you don't see the value in the suffering, if you don't see how much stronger you become after every single session, you're, you're going to quit. Yeah, very true. You're going to quit. Um, I kind of see some similarities with the style of karate I do. So there's many styles of karate. I'm not going to name them all, but the two big ones that people should know of are Kyokushin and Shotokan. So Shotokan is what Lyoto Machida uses, which is very blitz in, blitz out, like you're playing tag. The dragon, yeah. You're one dragon. of the favorites, as uh, we've spoken about. Okay, I thought Darren Till was uh, your favorite. Is he up? Are those? He's he's one of the he's like one of my top guys, but. The dragon's been my favorite, sense. man. No, he's, he's my, he's my boy. legitimize that you could use karate effectively in MMA when you blend it with good boxing and good grappling. And the other style that everyone should know about is uh, Kyokushin karate, which is what George St. Pierre does. does. Well, did I, Pardon? That's what you do, right? I do that style. Dolph That's what you Lester do as well, right? played the Drago and Rocky Four did that as well and it's a very yeah. hard style i'm not saying it's better than shotokan every style in karate or taekwondo has its strengths and weaknesses uh kyokushin i find is kind has a bit of a similarity to bjj to develop that mental toughness to be humble because there are sometimes what i like about it is you could but let's say i'm a 
blue belt, okay? So the rank, the belt ranks, how they go, Paul, it's different from the other arts where it's white belt, then it's orange belt, then blue belt, yellow, green, brown, and black. Uh, a good yellow belt can beat a green belt any day. It just depends on how serious the green belt is. There's other factors too, obviously, with the mood, you know, what they were feeling, what's going on. But it's it's a very good it's a very good men, it's a very good lesson mentally what BJJ has that you are going to get humbled. Yeah, that's important. Um, you know, you see people walk around like these. You know, uh, people walk around like tough guys every single day. They've never been in a fight in their life. They think bodybuilding makes them tough and things like that. Or they ride a motorcycle and they automatically think they're tough. And then you see some like first of all, you see some little nerdy dude on the mats who's like a brown belt. He's a savage. He looks like this little nerdy dude. And then you just see him put these big, these huge bodybuilder dudes down and he just strangled them, you know? So it's, it's like everyone needs that slice of humble pie. Andrew, I have a theory. It's called the punch in the face theory. My father loves this theory. Everyone before the age of 18 should get punched really effing hard in the face once. Just so they know what it feels like before they start mouthing off people. Because you never know who you're going to run into. Mm-hmm. You never know who you're going to run into. And these people walk around with a big mouth and they're like getting in each other's faces. Everyone should get punched in the face really effing hard once. So they know before they mouth off and before they start messing with people and trying to bully people, they might get punched and knocked the F out. So they need to know that. So it's called my punch in the face theory. I think it's a really good theory. Um, you know, a nice little punch, little boop, little boop on the nose once before the age of 18. And uh, I think it would do people well because that's a slice of humble pie. You let people, you let people know, listen, not everyone in the world is going to put up with your mouth and put up with your, you know, your shit, your bullshit. Sometimes people are having a bad day and they're just exactly. going to hit you with a right hand and you're going to be, you're going to be sleeping. You know what I'm saying? So you need to, you need to know what it feels like before you let your ego take over you and start mouthing off to people. You don't know. Who, exactly. You never know who you're, you're dealing with exactly. in the streets. In you the never know. Too. So I'm not going to mention the school I go to, but I left it because there was a lot of, the problem with my school was there was a lot of egos. The, the structure was lacking. I could, I could go on a rant about this, but I won't focus too much on the negative. Um, and there we had one black belt, and they were acting like they ran the place, like they knew everybody. And that's not cool with me because, you know, they were gone for uh, like X amount of years, like over 10 years. And you just can't come back thinking like you run the place, even after you've been gone. And uh, I gave them some humble pie. And, yeah. I was, and I was a yellow belt at the time. And, that's uh, right. That's and, right. Yeah, I had to. Like, I went in. There, I went in there with the spinning bat, with the spinning back kick, and then I just like, and then I went in uh, oh, like damn. Chuck Liddell style. They they had no idea. I'm not gonna say who they are because I don't. They, they're not worth the, They're not worth the time really. But the the point is is that they they, they ran their mouth and they were acting like they were they were tough. And I gave and I after that like I, I shouldn't have done this. You know when you when you put your hands around the waist like you want the title. I did that. I kind of did that to my master, but then like I, no. But but like after that, right. I just like looked at the I looked at the the the, the person I, I I fought with, and I just like gave them the the quiet sign, like the my finger over my mouth to say like, be humble. Like it's a way of saying be humble when you come. In. And yeah, and that's um, right. That's right. And then I left my school to work with uh, my current coach Mo. So his name's Mohammed, but I call him Mo for short. Well, we call him Momo. And the guy's the guy is amazing. Like I really actually learned how to do the stances, the cactus, how to utilize combos through him. And it's made me realize that I'd rather invest one on one with the coach than uh, than be in a school where you don't get the attention you desire if the teacher's not really like knowledgeable or passionate. Yeah. And like the one thing I'll vouch for, like and I give testaments to people whenever like I meet people who know Mo, I always say like he's the best teacher. And then they say, Well, you have a very good teacher and I always say, I know he's the best. It's why I invested in him to begin with. And win or lose, I'm gonna stick by with him because he teaches yeah. me something new every lesson. He he sounds like a great he guy. Really is. Like, stick you know, with he, him. he understands my uh, my my scenario, my background, my psychology. And um He's a no nonsense. He's really no nonsense. You know, he doesn't want to hear it. You know, there's that famous. Uh, I know I'm going back to the Atlas episode where Teddy Atlas talks about where he's like, uh, he's like, I don't want to hear it. He's like, I don't want to hear the excuses. He's like, he's like, there's a time and a place. And you know, and yeah. he spoke about uh, where you know Teddy Atlas had his father's funeral, and then he went to go train 
a fighter for an upcoming uh, title fight or a title elimination fight. And the thing is, he's like, I don't want to hear it. So when people start making excuses with uh, with Mo, he's like, he doesn't he doesn't want to hear it. He, he doesn't he, he he'll he'll be he'll let he'll let it slide at first. But if he comes a second and third time, he's going to call you out on it, which a good teacher does. Yeah. You have a teacher exactly. like that as well, where like you really jive with them and you feel like they've helped you improve your habits and training regimen in uh, your BJJ or uh, or striking. Yeah, all of my teachers uh, in jujitsu, like especially the McLaurice brothers, but even uh, even my uh, my dojo in uh, in in South Jersey, six oh nine jujitsu. Shout out to six oh nine. Um, they're under the balance flag as well nice. or team balance. That's my school in Philly. Um, but the, the teachers, very humble, very open at you asking them any type of questions you have. They'll show you the moves right on the spot. And when you roll with them, they're not out to kill you, but they're, they're, they're giving you just enough pressure to make you work. It's not coming easy to you, but they're not actually de- destroying you within seconds because you know, that might discourage you, but they're, 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 they're giving you the fight that you need to let you know that you have a lot of work to do. And like I said, they're very open to questions. They're very good teachers, uh, very informative, and they, they really care about the students and uh, want them to uh, succeed. So I'm, I'm very uh, lucky to have teachers like that in my life. And they, even though I live in Jersey now, I could walk in the balance, you know, in, in South Philly and be like, you know, I'll see Phil and Rick. And they still reach out to me through Facebook and Instagram and they say, Paul, how you doing? Stuff like that. I could walk in and be like, you know, we just – like, we've we seen each other the other day. Like, it'll be no big deal. And I'll hop right in the mat. We'll start rolling. And, and that's just how it is. It's a good family environment. And uh, But it's also, it's like the, the, the family members that are tough on you when, when they need to be. You know, they're there to take care of you and help you. But they also need you to come there and work. And they're, they'll, they'll, they'll let you know when you're screwing up. They're not going to sugarcoat things. Oh, exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think you hit a nail on the, I think you hit a nail on the coffin there by saying, by saying like, you could walk in and they'll, like, they'll welcome you. I think the sense of feeling community and uh, the sense of um, the feeling of community and inclusion is what really helps with BJJ and what helps with uh, Kyokushin. But it depends what Kyokushin school you go to, because there 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 was a problem where some schools are very good, but then some schools they kind of have their habits and ways for a, in a nicer way of putting it. And when I did my last tournament, Paul. Um, when we first spoke the day after and I told you how I felt, the community that I had there was amazing. Like I felt like I was included. I had people come up to me. Uh, Mo made sure that I was well taken care yeah. of, that there was no uh, politics with my fight. And everyone just said, like, you know, they said, you're a really good fighter. They said, keep training with him. They said, keep training. They said, either whether you win first, second, or third, it's not about that. It's about you just coming to compete hence the man in the ring quotes that you told me about. And it's so, it's so important. I really feel that yeah. when you're doing these, um, when you're doing a martial art, the sense of community, as you've seen in BJJ, as you hit the nail on, and certain styles of traditional martial arts, it's just so important to, for everyone's sight. Yeah, so the, even like when you said it's not about first or last, things like that, you win you don't you don't lose if you lost the match. You lose when you give up. You don't lose when you're defeated. You lose when you give up. When you refuse to stop trying, you win. When here's a, here's an example of a, a win. When you know you're going up against a brown belt or a black belt, and you step on the mat with them anyway, and you, you slap hands and you bump fist, that you won. You already won. You know what I'm saying? Like you 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 didn't you know run away. You didn't give up. You know what I'm saying? You went through it and you pushed past that, and that's an obstacle, and you adapt it and you, you push past the obstacle and you stepped on the mat with that person and you won yourself. Even if you lost, you still won because you stuck, you didn't get in, you didn't give up. Hey, Paul, you're kind of bringing up there. You're just gonna, I'm gonna have to ask you to repeat that again due to our fifth signal. Also. Uh, so, just repeat that again because we're going, you were, you were going, and uh, it was a good pass that you had there. Can you hear me now? Uh, it's still a bit choppy. Okay, hold on one second. No problem. All right, so, like I said, you step on the mat with the person. You step on the mat, the brown ball, black ball, whatever it is, you're best. You won when you step on the mat to give up or give in. You could have walked away. You could have not, 
you know, stepped on the mat with this person because you knew how high caliber they were. But you stepped on the mat anyway. And you knew, okay, you might lose, but you're going to give it regardless. You're going to try anyway. You're going to test yourself. That is the challenge. That is the win. The win is over yourself and the voice inside your head. That's the win itself. That's when you've won. Just because you were defeated by the person doesn't mean you lost. You only lose when you give up or you refuse to try. That's when you lose. Because ultimately, you're fighting yourself. You're, you're against yourself. That's what it is. Yeah. That little voice in, that you're, that little voice in your head says, don't do it. It's a black mm-hmm. you Or don't try. You know, you're going to lose. When you beat that voice, you've won. You're against yourself. That's, what, that's that true battle. It's not the other person. It's the person that you're staring in the mirror. That's the person you're fighting. Exactly. Like, I remember when I was about to fight the guy I fought. He was a brown belt, and I just got my green belt, and they asked me. They said, do you want to fight as a yellow belt against a blue belt? And I said, no. I said, I need to get into this uncomfortable situation to learn what it's like to be a green belt. So I think for myself, like, I think it shows the self-respect that I had, but it just shows that, you know, when you take on those uncomfortable situations, the outcome in the long run is you become better because I was very close to winning the fight, but the guy had more gas tank, had more in the gas tank than me. But just like to, to see and that I could do this and I could say, wow, with a good coach and a good system we had in place, that I could actually still do this and I can actually become good at it for a hobby. That was the big win I took away from it, not winning second or first. It was just being there for the experience and seeing the different, um, the different mentalities of the practitioners because every practitioner is different in his or her combos, his or her approach. I'm sure you've approached guys that go in there. They're very like laid back. They're, they're feeling you out a bit. And then they just yeah. explode. Yeah, of course. I, I've, I've dealt with those people. I mean, I was, you know, one of the people myself, you know, maybe a little bit too aggressive and, trying to to uh you know go overboard and maybe even hurt people i had to learn that lesson in the very beginning of my jujitsu i guess you could say career my journey um but like i said you if you go into if you go into a you know a sparring match and you if you lose the most important thing is did you take something away from it did you did you learn something did you learn it okay i maybe i shot i came in too high or you know i wasn't quick enough or i shouldn't have went for that move i shouldn't have did this did you learn something? Okay, then you've won. You, 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 were, you were defeated, but you didn't lose. You know what I'm saying? You were defeated, but you did not lose. Exactly. And I think the problem is, like, when I was at my old school, I, I felt disappointed whenever I lost. And I, I was a bad sportsman. But then, because, like, I felt like I wanted to impress the master, I had that, like, validation problem where I wanted to validate others. But then when I left, uh, when I left the school and got my green belt, and I realized... I felt this, like, lift of my shoulder that I don't need to do it for others. I do it for myself. And when you do it for yourself, you feel happier. And, you know, like, and, you know that's, what it, that's what I think the, the good thing is with the coach I found. Because, like, he doesn't want validation. He doesn't, he doesn't want that. He said he has no time for people pleasing himself or chasing. And he focuses on what he needs. And then the right people come to him. So that's what I'm trying to take away from him, you know, what I try to learn from him. And I don't think I'd be where – where I am right now if it wasn't for him as you have with the, the two brothers that coach you so I think it's really important that you have to know that you're winning just by stepping in there and still doing it consistently yeah and it's 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 crucial to see the opportunity and and, and it goes back to what we were talking about before the value and suffering it's it's crucial to see the opportunity in defeat you have an opportunity now to bounce up and get better you have an opportunity now to learn something new. You have an opportunity now to strengthen your skills and sharpen your tools and, and come back and try again. This is an opportunity. It's, it, 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 it's only, like I said, you're only, you only lose here when you give up, when you stop trying now, when you quit. That's when you've lost, when you've given up for good. Exactly. So, and that's the beautiful part about this. There's two different ways you can see it. And both ways lead down two different paths. One's towards you know, permanent defeat and one's towards, you know, growth and opportunity and endless possibility. You know, I could have, you know, I lost my, I lost my last tournament I competed in. I'll tell you about my tournament. My first tournament, it was in uh, Wildwood, New Jersey. It's called Battle at the Beach. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. I went, first tournament I walked in, I was training with a different gym. 
in uh, Philadelphia because I needed a job. So I, I moved to a different gym just to work because I needed money. And I'm, I'm, I'm with this competition team. We're competing. I walk in my first match, and I'm up against a, a, a nice guy from uh, my little brother's dojo, um, Martinez B, BJJ. First match I go. It's my first match ever. We walk in. I put the dude to sleep. I had no clue what happened. I, I put the guy to sleep. I was so shocked. And I actually felt bad for a second because I didn't – I thought I hurt the guy. I didn't want to hurt him. But I put him to sleep with a, with a uh, bow and arrow choke. Second fight, triangle the guy, tap him. Now, this part, my head got blown up a little bit to the point where I was getting a little bit egotistical and I, and I shouldn't let it take over me. In the third fight, I got a little slice of humble pie. I went up against a BJJ practitioner guy, and he also had his, his wrestling background. Ooh. And the dude grappled me and, and held me down, and I didn't know how to get out of it. Like, I, I didn't know what to do. He, now, it was a points fight, so he was just pinning me down, holding me for time. Because over time, the more he held me down, the more points he got. So he beat me by points in the end. Now, I could have sat there in the end and said, you know, this is bullshit. You know, I lost. You know, this is stupid and all this stuff by points. I lost my points. Okay, listen, I lost my points. Okay, Here's an opportunity now to grow and learn how the point system works so this doesn't happen again, or I can just get better. I just get better. There's an opportunity to become better now. I'll work on my cardio so I don't get, get gassed out trying to escape being pinned down. You know, I'll work on my escapes when I'm, when I'm you know, someone has me in, in, in uh, you know, half side, side control. You know, I'll, I'll work on all these things. I have an opportunity now. I got the fire in my belly. This is igniting me to want to go practice. And I'll keep this guy in my mind now. He's my motivation. I have the guy that beat me in my mind every time I go train. Because if not, if I don't go train with him in my mind and, 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 and you know, the desire to beat myself and, you know, overcome the, the defeat I experienced or the small defeat I experienced, you know, I'll just want to give up. So I, there's an opportunity to get better now and, you know, transcend, you know, my former, you know, uh, you know, uh, my former skill set, I, I can upgrade now. I can, I can learn new things. So it's, it's a growth mindset. It's a growth mindset because if not, you got to look at your mindset like this, Andrew. You have a garden out back. Are you putting things in that garden that's, that's you know, helping it become more fertile and it's going to grow and it's going to grow new plants and it's going to be a full, beautiful garden? Or are you pulling plants out and, and, and pouring acid and other things on, on the soil and making it, you know, destroying it? Are you planting seeds that are for growth or are you, you planting weeds? Are you planting exactly. weeds that are just going to kill everything and, you know, it's going to be full of bugs and all this other stuff. So, and that's the growth mindset versus, you know, the, uh, the toxic mindset. Wow. Or, that's, you know, yeah, the lacking mindset. Exactly. And I think that's what martial arts really helps with, whether it's BJJ, karate, boxing, wrestling, Muay Thai. And I, I think I really encourage everyone to just take up an art. I don't want to sound biased and say do this one because you have to experiment before you uh, really find what works for you. Yeah. <coughs> do jiu-jitsu. <coughs> I had a cough there. I, had a... <laughs> I know. I like, I like to do jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was a good one there, Paul. I, 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 had a cough, so I had to cough something up. <laughs> I, I saw what you did there. I'm just kidding. No, I am just messing with you. Um, so now, look, you know, uh, obviously we've been talking about the philosophy, what we got into it for. And, uh, you know, um, what I got into Kyokushin for just before we uh, we segue into uh, the latest in the MMA news to talk what we think. Um, so I took up Kyokushin after hearing about it from uh, that Dolph Lundgren did it because I was a huge fan of Dolph. Like I wanted to look like him, have that bodybuilder build, that, that Scandinavian Viking physique he had. And I was, yeah, always yeah. Being, yeah, I was always being like, what if? Nah, I don't know. But then I just said, you know what? I'm going to take Kyokushin up. I'm going to go back to karate when I did it when I was seven. And I'm going to get my black belt in this no matter what, how long it takes. And, you know, yeah. in, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been working hard. Uh, I am getting there. It's not about the belt. It's about the journey. It's the journey, not the process. And I'm feeling great since uh, I made the switch. And my coach has figured out a way that will get my brown and black belt. We're going to work on that. And um, other than that, it's a good gang I have. I'm loving what I do. I do it at my pace. And that's, that's what I think people need to learn. Like, you know, whatever rank you are, you can't focus on the outcome. And I think that's what makes most people quit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That makes sense. So, but now, as promised, you know, obviously there's been a lot that's happened in MMA news, and you know, we're both big fans. We both know our facts, past and present. 
what what's your opinion of uh, the upcoming 241 card? I, I should say 240 of Holloway Edgar. Um, I think Holloway is going to take that one unless Frankie upsets. But what's your what are your thoughts for the uh, for 241 DC and Stipe and Diaz versus Pettis? I think you have some really good fights coming up. Uh, before we talk about that, I'd like to say I think Luke Rockhold should hang up the gloves. Should hang up the mitts. I think he should hang them up. I think it's uh, he's got a second broken jaw. He got you know tuned up by Blockowitz. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think he should. It's he's got another career. You know what I'm saying? He's got he still got Ralph Lauren. Yeah. So it's he probably should you know look you know to other options. What do you think about that? I I, I wouldn't look. I'm a Rockhold fan. I I like the Rockhold approach of how he came in to fight Weidman like that. When he walked out to uh, it, when he when he walked up to that DMX track, it was a boss entrance. But I just feel since Michael Bisping knocked him out with that, uh, with exactly. That run, I don't think Rockhold's ever been the same. If you watched, Rockhold, he's not. Yeah, if you watched uh, Rockhold versus David Branch, yes, he won the fight. But Luke looked like he was struggling to keep up with David. It was as if he was like going with the motions a bit, and then got the win. But it was it, it wasn't the same Luke. I really think that UFC 199 loss really had an effect on him. Yeah. No, uh, it did something to him. But uh, Diaz and Pettis is gonna be a great fight. I'm I'm Diaz brothers fan, so I'll be rooting for uh, probably Diaz. It's gonna be an excellent fight. I think uh, so too. I've, the UFC is always better when one or both Diaz's fight. It's gonna be interesting to see how. Uh, Diaz handles, I think, you know, Pettis' pace and things like that. It's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, I'm definitely excited for Steve. I'm a big Stipe fan. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for Stipe and uh, Cormier. I would love to see, you know, Stipe take take the W and go on the fight, a super fight with John Jones. Because ultimately, the winner of this fight is going to get the super fight. It's going to be a heavyweight bout, and it's going to be John Jones versus either Cormier or Stipe. Yeah, I agree. That's what, that's what it's going to be. I agree. And I would love to see Stipe. I already seen... Cormier and, and John Jones. John Jones whooped that ass. He owns his ass. You know what I'm saying? That's John Jones whooped his ass already twice, mm-hmm. especially in the second fight. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a Cormier and Jones three. I would love to see it, especially at heavyweight. Oh, that'd be very interesting. Um, you know, but I, I, I prefer to see Miocic take the W against Cormier. Um, you know, that'll be a great fight and uh, avenge his loss last year and uh, – you know, I would love to see Miocic and, and John Jones. I think that'd be they're very stylistically. I think that'd be an interesting matchup because, like I said, you, John Jones even said it himself. I have D- DC's game down. I know his game, but Stipe is a little bit different. So uh, it, it, I just want to see something new, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it'd be a great fight. And now you have um, Edgar and Holloway. Holloway is a savage. Is a complete savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's gonna be a great fight. I like Edgar. Um, I, I think he's getting a little up there in age, um, but he's still got his hands. He can still throw down Edgar. He's always a beast, and um, it's gonna be a good fight. I don't know which way that'll go. I'm I'm probably leaning towards Holloway. Really? Do you think? I'm thinking Holloway too. It will be the fight that everyone's been waiting for because they were supposed to fight multiple times, but one of them got injured. The timing wasn't. Right, so I I believe it will be a, I think it will be a pretty good fight to um, to watch there. Like you know, Max as he has, he just took apart Ortega in that uh, two. Oh, dude, he card. did. Oh, it was beautiful. It was like it's like, and Ortega had no idea what to do. Like, say what you want about his boxing, that it was good, but I just don't think he he was able to handle Max's pace. Yeah, I would, no, it was a. Uh... It was a good fight. Would you agree that Max Holloway is one of the best 145ers up there with Aldo with what he's accomplished? Well, but of course he is. I mean, he's one of the best ever. He has to be considered that. But the problem here, – here's the deal. The, the problem with the UFC and these fights is that it's not set up for the, the jiu-jitsu guy to win. It's not. You have to look at it like that. It's a, it's, it's, there's not enough time. I, I mean – Plus, you're getting sweaty and slippery, things like that. There, I, 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 for me, I would prefer it if it was no time limit or at least, say, one, you know, 
20 minute round or two 20 minute rounds, things like that. The, the, see, jujitsu, it's not like a rushed thing. You don't rush in and just start. It takes time to set these moves sometimes. It takes time to work different positions and get into a, an optimal position to, uh, you know, lay out the groundwork for your, for your submission. It takes time. So, you know, maybe if Ortega had more time, he might have been able to set something up. But it, it's hard. I mean, like I said, it's not it's – not, the way it is right now, you know, five-minute rounds and things like that, it's not optimal for a, guy, a jiu-jitsu guy to, you know, work the takedown, you know, make moves from there. I mean, it happens 100%. It definitely happens. But it's not set up for the jiu-jitsu guy, I think, to succeed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's understandable. Okay. So then – and then, so, yeah, then yeah, you have – 239 that just happened that was a wild card i think when it comes to the fight week cards this is up there for the fight week cards with usc 100 usc 116 lesnar versus carwin and now 239 there was no really significant uh, injuries that forced fights off or suspensions the card miraculously held together which we haven't seen in a long time so what were you, I want to know uh, what so I love the card. What were your takeaways from uh, the main event card, with the uh, exception of Luke? What you said before, he should retire. Um, let's see. You're talking about Masvidal and Askren. Yeah, Masvidal, Askren, um, Jones versus Santos. Yeah, I think that was a great fight. I mean, everyone's saying uh, Tiago Santos, like he won things like that. I don't know about that. Uh, John Jones probably should have been more aggressive later on in the rounds, but I think it was a great fight. Um, I don't think we need to see a Santos-John Jones rematch. No. I mean, I don't think we need to. Maybe later in the line, you know, maybe after, like, you know, Santos has another fight and John Jones has a super fight, maybe. Uh, maybe we could have a rematch. That'd be cool. Because um, Santos is a big boy. He throws hard. Um, and both kind of were injured, not as much as Santos. I know he probably basically blew out his knee. Um but it would be nice to see a rematch. Um, ben Askren and uh, Masvidal, so quick, man. So quick and very exciting. Uh, I don't know what – I mean, listen, Askren handled it like a champ. He did. He handled it like a champ, very humble. So, listen, man, you know, this, I got caught. This time I got caught. It's all right, man. You know, and I think he'll bounce back from it. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to change his approach. And, uh, you know, I wonder if other guys, you know, with similar styles to Masvidal are going to, you know – look to expose Askren the way Masvidal did, you know, with a lot of knees and things like that and, you know, very elusive. So we're going to see. I wonder what's next for Askren now. What do you think? I think they're going to – I think he's going to take some time off because he came in with uh, a lot of hype, hyping himself up. So credit to Askren for what he's done for the UFC promoting standpoint. Oh, yeah. I think he'll take some time off. I think he's going to go back to Rufus, Duke Rufus, one of the best striking coaches in MMA. I think of course. That's where he'll go. He says, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm more of a specialist, like a, like a Damian Maya, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. But I really think Duke and Tyrone are going to convince him that you need some base-level striking in MMA. Just you have to. Stand. So that's what I think. You'll see him back at the end in the cage by, I think, uh, early 2020. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nice to see, but yeah, listen, man, it's not like in the early UFC days you can get away with you know really just one one martial art, but now you need you need a little mix of everything. You have to be able to grapple and throw hands. You have to. And you, you might get lucky here and there. I don't want to say lucky because there's a lot of skill involved, but you might not get caught on the way in. But this time you did get caught, you know. So it's you have to be well rounded. There has to be striking. I mean, you're. You start standing up. You start standing up. You have to be able to either, you know, counter or even just like some basic body movement to slip and things like that. Um, you know, it's just you have to be able to throw your hands. It's very simple. Even if it's just basic. Yeah. Like, you know, at least Gracie had very basic striking. You know what I'm saying? Very basic. Very. You know, it's like I don't expect Hoist to go out there and start throwing like combinations. But, you know, Hoist Gracie can still throw a punch. You know what I'm saying? He still has basic striking. So, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, maybe you use that basic striking to your advantage to lead up to you know uh, you know shooting in for a double leg or something like that or you know, but yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. We got it. There was that. Um, I I'm I'm really impressed with Masvidal though. Like I really really like how he came in, and you know I really feel he is a misunderstood fighter. 
There, uh, when yeah. he came on Joe Rogan's show, I, I, it was I, that's what I love about Rogan's MMA show. You really get to know the fighters. Like that's how I got to know Kamaru Usman more and appreciate what he has. And Masvidal's episode blew me away, where he said that, as he said, with the ego, you know, he would go to Wyoming State U and other Western universities and get humbled by the wrestlers to get good uh, NCAA wrestling. Yeah, exactly, and that's a. I, I didn't know that. I never watched that Rogan episode with him. It's very good. I should do that. It's very good. They talk about, like, they, he talks about the backyard fighting, you know, why he changed after the Darren Till fight and how he's trying to, like, make as much money as he can before he gets out of the sport. So it'd be nice, it'd be nice, you know, to see him, you know, I mean, I think he can he can get a title. I think he, he can win a title. Yeah. With the, with the mindset he's on right now and how he's really focused, I think uh, Jorge has a very good shot. I really liked as well him the piece him and Bisping made in uh, the press conference. That was a kudos to, to Jorge for being a stand-up guy saying, like, look, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, he said, it was just a thing of the past. It's a water under the bridge. And it was nice to see. And I think, and I'm glad to see yeah. that Jorge's getting the respect that, that's due. And, you know, I, I think he's like a Nick, Nick, Nick or Nate Diaz fighter. I just love to see him get in the cage with one of the Diaz brothers. That would be a fight to oh, yeah. watch. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely uh, agree that uh, they should make. And you know whether it's whether it's uh, whether it's uh, whether it's like with him or Nate, Nick, maybe even Cowboy. For well, we've already seen Cowboy match with all that ended pretty badly. Yeah. So it's good. Like, there's a lot of matchups you can do. I don't pay attention to the lower weight divisions because I just feel they're not appealing. For me, Paul, it's, yeah. it's welterweight and above. Yeah, exactly. I feel the same way. Yeah, or lightweight, but more welterweight. I, I do like the lightweights, too. I do like, you know, my Eddie Alvarez's and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, even though he's not with us anymore, he's in, a, you know, one championship and whatnot. But, uh, Dude, you know. that one championship, man, if there's one thing we're learning as MMA fans... The UFC is not the only best promotion in the world. There's a lot of oh guys. hell no, they're savages in the one championship. They could stand. Did you see what happened to Sage Northcutt? He got he got sent to Jupiter by Co- by Cosmo Alexander, who's a multiple got starched. Got starched, and and Cosmo, who no one knows about, he's a multiple Savage. Thai champion. Yeah, and Sage just got sent to another planet against him <laughs> oh shit that's a good way of putting it yeah dude it's, it, it, it's true i mean they probably shouldn't have started him with off listen if they want you know i that's what makes me think did they want longevity with sage northcutt or did, did they want to make an example out of a, a former ufc guy exactly did one did they want to make an example on sage northcutt and let the world know listen okay we're bringing a ufc guy in let's see what happens when a one championship guy goes up against them because if they were worried about longevity if they wanted a long career out of sage northcutt they wouldn't have put him up against a complete animal for his first fight. Yeah, like, uh, there's a lot of these unknown guys. Like, I think the problem is, like, we, we pay only attention to the North American side of MMA, but even the European circuits, too, like Cage Warriors, KSW, they're yeah. really good, too, M1 in Russia. And, like, and then you have uh, the guy, uh, the guy in Chechnya, Kadyrov, who has his own... MMA league and like with Fabricio Verdun nice. helping, and that guy's a savage. Like that guy is a complete savage with a capital S. Like he just loves <laughs> MMA. Like you could say what you want about him, he's a dictator, but he knows his shit and he loves to promote the sport. So good, good on Caddy Rob for being a yeah. sense of an ambassador. Like I'm not condoning what he does politically, and this is not a political show. Like some people might say, well, you know what he does politically, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm talking yeah. to talk about martial arts. I'm not a political expert, and I don't pay attention to what the media says because I we live in North America. But you know, right. you know, not to go off on a tangent here, but you got to appreciate how the sport's evolving in the age of the internet. And with credit to the Ultimate Fighter season one. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and um, it's just an interesting. You know, I have the one app on my phone. I like Bellator too. I like what Scott Coker's doing with the the Bellator model. I, I, I feel yeah. like Scott Coker is like a guy you, you'd want to hang out with and do business with. Yeah, that's what he looks like, right? He seems like that's a dude. Seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he does. Like he cares about the fighters' well being. He cares about 
He knows how to balance the making money and profits, but with the sake of the fighters' health and longevity. So it's good to see yeah. what Bellator is doing. I don't think they'll, like, you know, don't say never. Like, I don't think they're on the level of UFC, but they'll be at no. the heels eventually. Something tells me a big name or two are going to go there, and then that's going to give Bellator the, the ammunition it needs to be like, hey, if you don't like where you are, come here and, you know, we'll uh, offer this and this to you. Yeah, exactly. It'll happen eventually. It will. It will. And one, two, one is also going to be a, a global force for martial arts. So I'm very excited to see when they bring Chatry on with uh, Rogan to talk about the, the model there, how they're expanding, how they're, uh, how they're going to come into the U.S. That would be really interesting. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That would be good. Well, Paul, I guess it's already an hour, man. It's, this hour flew by. It was really fun. I learned a lot yeah, from was, uh, you today with BJJ and the importance of it. And um, when just talking about the current MMA news. So uh, for anyone who wants to follow an epic guy on Twitter that will help you become a better person, whether man or woman, follow uh, Paul Dominic. Uh, Paul, what's your handle again? Because I don't want to take off uh, the app while recording and then I have to look into it. So you want to just tell people where they can find you on social media to connect? Yeah, of course. You can find me on uh, Twitter at Paul M. Dominic. I have an email list. I'm a social dynamics coach. Uh, I talk about stoicism, mindset, and, you know, helping you create a rich social dynamics life and a rich social life. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Paul M. Dominic as well. I share a lot of, like, lifestyle things. I haven't been uploading as much, but I'm going to get back into it. Uh, I'll be starting a YouTube channel soon, teaching social skills and mindset and things like that and just basic insights and strategies and tips to help you in your everyday life. And I also have a daily email list. And uh, please feel free to DM me. My DMs are always open. I'm open to have a conversation with anyone about anything. So, yeah, you can find me there. Sounds good. Well, once again, Paul, thank you so much for being the pilot guest. I'm, I'm really glad that you got me to, to push me to do this because sometimes I, I let my ego with comfort get in the way. But I just kept saying to myself, got to do it and good things are going to happen. That's right. So, Guys, just remember, if you want to look for an awesome guy to connect with on social media to become a better person, talk BJJ or MMA, Paul Dominic is your is your man. And I'll definitely be having him on again in the future, a repeat guest uh, that I'm aiming to have on. And uh, so, yeah, you can catch this episode on Spotify, hopefully iTunes, and maybe other apps that have podcasts. But this was uh, this was really fun, Paul, and I hope we can do this again soon. Andrew, I think you did a fantastic job. You're an excellent host, and it's been an honor and uh, complete privilege to uh, to be here as your first uh, pilot episode guest. And uh, I really hope maybe we could, uh, you know, I can come back on. Maybe we'll do like a fight recap episode or something along the lines of that, wherever you see fit for your podcast. And uh, I'm really happy that you started this, and I think it's going to do great. Thank you. I'm 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 just I'm just taking it step by step, and that's how we'll get better over time. Sounds good, brother. I wish you the best of luck, and thanks for having me on again. No problem. You too, Paul. Keep uh, making, keep uh, being awesome, and we'll stay in touch. All right, brother. Thank you, Andrew. No problem. Anytime, Paul. Bye.